For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back in, everybody. It is the Believe in Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network, our second episode of this week. I'm Brady Farkas, Doug Flutie, the CFL Hall of Famer, the former Patriots quarterback, the Heisman Trophy winner. He's going to be joining us here in a second. Aaron is our producer pushing the buttons behind the scenes. As always, the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Just go to betonline.ag. It's where you can place all of your bets this NFL season, this college football season. As we tape this, we got World Series games going on. You can place those bets, in-game betting, uh, pre-game betting, get futures bets for this. I, whatever you want to bet, you can do it there, betonline.ag. That is where you should be putting your money safely and responsibly, of course, but go ahead and do it. I lost last week with the Giants, minus three, still reeling from that when they won the game, but I still lost. So uh, I don't know where I'm going at right now. Basically, if I just bet against the Jets or the Cowboys, I feel pretty good about my chances. I don't even need to look at the numbers right now. So, Aaron, let's get to the podcast. What you're about to hear is a presentation of the Believe in Patriots podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. All the news, opinions, and insights on your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Now, it's your host, me, Brady Farkas, and Heisman Trophy winner, CFL Hall of Famer, and former Patriots quarterback, Doug Flutie. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is the Believe in Patriots podcast again on the Believe Podcast Network. Doug Flutie with us, as always, at Doug Flutie on Twitter. I'm at WDEV Radio Brady. Patriots 2-3 and three getting ready for the 49ers. And, Doug, this is a, an interesting one. Preseason, I would have thought the 49ers were going to come in here and wax the Patriots, but the Niners are so banged up, it makes for an interesting matchup on Sunday. It really does. They were uh, struggling to move the ball a little bit last week, too, and, and uh, they, they rely on their tight end quite a bit. And it's going to be another low-scoring game, I think. I think that the defensively, you know, New England's playing pretty good, and offensively they've got to find a way to move the football. You know, it's interesting. Before we get into it, um, two things. Now, because we've talked about starting lineups so much, I got people hitting me up left and right showing me Flutie memorabilia. I've now seen the Doug Flutie Bill's Little Hot Wheels car, and I had somebody tell me they bought two signed Boston College jerseys of you just this week. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know about the Hot Wheels car, I don't think. I don't <laughs> yeah. think I've, I've ever heard about that one or seen that one. You know, that there's one that is a real collectible in the uh, – that's out there. We called it the Exalo. It was a, a little plastic disc type of thing that you could throw about 120 yards. Oh my God. Sling it and it would go. And I'm actually looking at it over there. And the, the a whole box of them came into the locker room when we were in Toronto hmm. and all the guys were pulling them out and zinging them around the locker room. And they were whacking hard against the wall and hitting guys. The, the guys labeled it the lawn darts of the nineties. Oh like, my God. like this is going to be the lawsuit. Hey. <laughs> well, there are some real serious Flutie collectors out there. I've learned one guy said to me on, on social media, I own everything of Flutie's that's out there. I don't know. I've got some stuff hanging here. So he hasn't stolen them from my house yet, but <laughs> I, I, it, there was so much. And you know, in the nineties, especially the card, the world of trading cards just exploded. 
and all these different companies started coming out. There were, I've got I've got drawers and boxes full of unopened boxes of trading cards. Like mm. you know, when each card came out, they'd send you a hundred cards. Yeah, and it's just up in the attic, crawl space, and boxes and boxes of that stuff. You know, the other thing that's interesting before we really get into the game is um, you told us about this like last week or two weeks ago. Ironically enough, though, last week was the anniversary of it. October 14th, 2001, Tom Brady in his third start leads the Patriots to a 29-26 win over the Doug Flutie-led Chargers. So an anniversary you probably don't want to remember was just a week ago. Uh, it's still, I come down to, uh, we were running the football. I, you know what it came down to? There was a third down pass, too, that I had a chance to hit Tim DeWhite to move the chains. Yeah. And it was tight coverage, and I put it low and away, and he laid out for it. It was kind of off his fingertips, and uh, I was a little too careful with the throw. <laughs> well, you talked about it last time about running the ball being conservative. Yep. There you were conservative with the throw. Yeah, I think the throw, I think the throw was our overtime drive. Okay. Running the ball was at the end of regulation, something like that. I don't well, know which game. I've got two games in mind, and I don't know which one was which now, but uh, the one that we ran the ball and just ran it three times and punted, I, I was ready to scream. In fact, <laughs> I came over to the bench. I was so pissed. We called, There was a timeout at the end. We had nine yards on first down. And I come over. I'm like, we got to go play action. Just hit the fullback in the flat. The game is over. No, no, no. we got to keep the clock running, blah, blah, blah. We go two more runs punt the ball. Sure enough, they come down and score. I go to the bench when we're getting ready to punt. I took my helmet off and I just threw it at uh, the Gatorade cups on the, yeah. on the table. And I took the helmet and I threw it. Just as I threw it, our equipment manager walked across in front and I hit him right in the hip. <laughs> my helmet on the sideline. I was so, I, I felt like, <laughs> I felt so bad. So 29-26 was the final there. Uh, we are going to be joined by Eric Davis later in the podcast, former 49ers defensive back, all pro, pro bowler, Super Bowl champion. He's the host of the Believe in 49ers podcast also, so he's going to give us some insight on San Fran. Aaron, let's get the first impression sounder. First impressions. Doug, I think my first impression is what you just said. I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think the Niners are going to win. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think it's going to be ugly. I just don't believe in the Patriots' offense, and the Niners are so banged up, I can't believe in their offense. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I just, you know, in order to do that, I looked at the highlights again, mm -hmm. and uh, just Kittle keeps showing up. Third down conversions, big plays. He's the guy that, that Bill's going to have to take away offensively, on third down especially. Um, offensively, Patriots got to get their act together. They got to find something. They got to find a downfield passing game. And to me, the easiest way to go downfield is off a hard play action mm -hmm. of the like a counter action where you go and you're selling the fake. And you can picture Tommy with this hard fake head and then drift back and get real deep. That allows receivers to work and then do double moves and, and do things down the field to get open rather than just running a go route, running a post route. Now you can run a deep crosser, do something to help Cam out, buy some time with the offensive line because that's the biggest variable, and do some things to help them out, whether it's hard play action or whatnot, to give receivers a chance to work to get open downfield because they need to start making big plays in the pass game. 
49ers are incredibly injured. You got yeah, Bosa, who's out for the year. Mostert, they're running back. He's on the IR now. He's going to miss this game. It's not as physical a team as last year that got to the Super Bowl for Sam Fran. They only averaged 3.3 yards of rush against the Rams the other day. So they're not going to bulldoze the Patriots. But I think that defense can do enough. And if Richard Sherman comes back, which as we tape this, we don't know, if he comes back, that adds a new layer to that defense. I think it's just going to be – like this game has 15-13 all over it to me. It, yeah, I, I mean, it really does. It has ugly written all over it. Um, I just – I can't believe that, that Bill Belichick and Josh uh, – Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniel don't come up with a formula offensively this week. They've, they'll, they'll, they, they may alter the way they do things. Uh, we might see a package for Stidman, uh, you know, whatever it might be, uh, something to create a downfield passing game. You know, the storyline of this game is Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to Foxborough. Oh, it would have been even bigger if it was Jimmy Garoppolo coming back against mm-hmm. Tom Brady. I have a theory that if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I have resentment towards the Patriots that they chose a 40-year-old over me. I'm, you know, I don't like those guys anymore. I want to prove Bill wrong. I want to prove Robert Kraft wrong. How do you? Did you ever have like a malice-led revenge game in your oh, career? Yeah. Back in the '80s, um, when I was with New England, I was I, my my rookie year in the NFL. Year and a half was spent in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Came over to New England. The next year, we played, I think, an undefeated Bears team at the time in Foxborough. And I had a four touchdown pass day and a big day and all that. And Mike Dicka had a heart attack that night. And <laughs> it, it was a it was a fun day for me because I the whole game, Dicka was yelling at their quarterbacks and pulling guys out and putting guys in. And I was over here with a group of guys that really was glad I was there. You don't give a guy a reason to be great. And uh, you the thing that changes throughout the year is your preparation if you know how motivated is a guy week in and week out to stay motivated to to prepare and do the hard work it's an easy week for garoppolo to get to get ready to play jimmy's gonna do every he's already watching you know he's he's watching film on the plane trip home or whatever the night before so he's ready to go um he will do everything he has in his power to be prepared for this one for sure you know, I think that I would be a bad football player because I don't know that I would be a great teammate. And what I mean is this. If I'm Jimmy Garoppolo and I'm there at the end of, at the end of my tenure in New England and I see Tom Brady, look, I'm not rooting for the guy to get injured, but I'm rooting for him to play bad. I want that shot. You had your time. It's my time now. I'm 24 years old. I'm good looking. I could be the face of the franchise. I'm rooting for you to have a three pick game and have another one. And then I can come in and save the day. How does the backup quarterback feel about the starter? When, when the starter is a guy like Tom, when the starter is a guy that's established and solid as a rock and winning, it's easy to be the backup. It's Mm -hmm. easy to just prepare every week, do what you can to help him. It's a team game. You're the guy I, I, I referred to it a couple of times. My last year in New England, I had the pom-poms out all year long and rooting for Tommy to win me a Super Bowl ring. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's my job, and that's what I'm trying to do. When he's playing poorly, when he's not, then it's hard to be that good teammate. You try to be supportive. You try to be there for him. But in the back of your mind, you're like, I just want my chance. I want my chance. I'm, I'm going to get an opportunity to stay ready. Um, but – as a backup quarterback, your number one job is prepare as a starter week in and week out and always be ready. And that is 
not an easy thing to do, especially when the guy in front of you is, is good and playing every week and playing well, and you doubt that you're going to get on the field. When you see an opportunity to get on the field, then the preparation becomes a little easier. But, um, you know, it's, you've been in this atmosphere all your life. You're happy to be a part of a winning franchise and a team. And you're just, like I said, I, I was rooting for Tommy to win every game and let's get to the Super Bowl. You know, you mentioned George Kittle. He's certainly going to be a focal point for the Patriots defensively. Bill Belichick's known to be able to take away tight ends. You've seen him do it with Travis Kelsey in the past. Belichick said this week that Kittle was the best tight end he's ever seen or coached. He's that he's ever coached or coached against. Like Belichick is so calculated. Why is he throwing shade at Gronk like that? Come on, is that necessary? Uh, he it's it's nothing to do with Gronk. It's everything to do with motivating the guys in his locker room to prepare and be ready. Everything to do with the, they're the best, they're the greatest. We don't even belong in the field with the, it goes back to the, we can't take a snap, Doug. We can't yeah. even, well, we can't hand the ball off. Um, everything is praise on the other team. He's the best. He's the greatest. Jimmy Garoppolo is the best quarterback I ever had. Uh, you know, after Tom, blah, 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 whatever he's going to say, he'll say it all. And then he gets in that meeting room and coaches people up. And that's what it, He's done forever. So is he doing that to motivate his own guys into knowing how good the other team is, or is he doing it to let the other team see the press clippings and kind of lay back a little bit? Little of both. Little of okay. both. Tell him how great he is. Pat him on the back. Tell him how he's great. And then go kick his tail. Uh, hey, guys, you see this guy? He's the best in the league. Shut him down. This is your challenge. You know, blah, blah, blah. Now, he'll also stand in that locker room. <laughs> I, 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 I just – we were going up against he he shows offense and defense the very first team meeting of the week mm-hmm. and we're all in the same room together and the opposing quarterback the last time we played them through a couple of interceptions and also through like three or four more that should have been picked that were right in our lap and he's showing them showing his guy hey what we can't catch the ball he's trying to give us the ball you don't <laughs> want to what's going on you guys don't want it i mean he, he wants to give us the ball can you just catch the ball and go the other way with it but please he's, he wants you to do that uh, and that's yeah you know, he's he works both sides of it um aaron give me the opponent spotlight because this one is maybe more unique than anyone we've done opponent spotlight Doug, I'm not looking at a player on this one. I'm looking at Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the 49ers. I love a creative offense. We see it time to time with Josh McDaniels, but we really saw it for the Niners on Sunday night. Pre-snap motion, jet sweeps. The Niners know they're limited in some ways because of the injuries, and here they are being creative as hell. Talk to me about what pre-snap motion does for an offense. Uh, First off, pre-snap motion is uh, you want – in the old days it was – Let's shift the strength of the formation and we'll motion a guy across. And then they they wanted a strong side blitz, which now becomes a weak side blitz, and we pick it up. Things mm-hmm. like that. You can change strength on them. Now defenses are all caught up. They'll see that. They check. What you're doing is making them adjust on the fly. Number one, they've got to they they might bounce their front back the other way. They got to shift their linebackers. The secondary is going to make a call. Somebody's got to run with the motion. Are they running with the motion or not? If he's running with them, it's probably man coverage. Did the corner run with them or do they just rotate the safeties? If they rotate the safeties, it's a zone cut. All that stuff goes into it. And that's what you're trying. You're trying to get pre-snap reads and see what you can do. Other other parts of it is to trick them. Like yeah. shift late, motion fast at the end, and it's outrun the guy and pick his man off, and you're running in the flat on the fly. So you're trying to outrun him. 
Sometimes it's to rec- to make the defense think and move, and you can see what they're doing. Other times it's to fool them and get an edge. You know, you see a lot of guys hit full speed in the flat and hit them running and try to turn it up, things like that. I, as a quarterback, actually, if it's a true pass situation and I'm throwing the football, I don't want a lot of smoke and mirrors. I want to mm. line up. So I can see what they're doing and know for a fact. I don't want to have to read what they're doing on the fly. I want them lined up. And Peyton Manning was that way. Peyton was either in a two-by-two or a three-by-one set. He didn't want to be changing strength and motion and across in true passing situations. But when you're trying to fool them and trick them, that's where all that stuff comes in. Can you be too cute as an offense? I think so. I, I think that's where kind of the point I was making uh, when I was in San Diego, I had Norv Turner my first mm-hmm. year as an offensive coordinator. And a lot of times we were stagnant. We were stationary. We blocked things up. And I, I was free and easy mentally. And it was reading it out and throwing the football. Then Cam Cameron came in and we started doing a lot of shifting and pre-snap motions and movement and trying to fool the defense or get them out of position. But then I was a little uncertain at times of what exact, what's the coverage here? Wait, did he, is he coming? Is he late getting over? Or is he coming? All that. So, hmm. uh, you know, especially on third down, I don't want to try to trick things. I, w- I want to see what they're doing. Patriots 49ers coming up. Uh, we got an interview here with Pro Bowl defensive back Eric Davis, also an all-pro, multi-time all-pro, and a Super Bowl champion. So let's hear from Eric Davis, also the host of the Believe in 49ers podcast. <laughs> All right, welcome back. This is the Believe in Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Joining us now is Eric Davis, spent a decade plus in the NFL. He's a multi-time pro bowler. He's a multi-time all-pro. Eric, how are you? I'm well, man. Holding on for an old man. Just (laughs) just trying to keep it going. That's it. Well, I appreciate you joining me. You know, I do the meat and potatoes of this podcast with Doug Flutie, and I went through your career. I found one game. That mm-hmm. you played for a team that had to play against Doug Flutie. Am I yeah. right in that assumption? I think you are correct with that one. I do believe we crossed paths once. Yeah. So yeah. You were in Denver. He was in San Diego. Um, uh-huh. You didn't play a prominent role in that game for Denver. But what do you remember about preparing for a Flutie-led team? Um, yeah, well, you just understand. He's scrambling quarterback. That, that was it. Just throughout the league and just watching him play throughout his time in the league, you knew that he was uh, going to be able to run the ball around. And running quarterbacks weren't as prominent then as they are now. Uh, and, and they, they um, presented the same problem. And he presented the same problem then that they do now. You don't build a defense to stop the quarterback in the NFL. Uh, because uh, they don't run. You don't waste time preparing your, your scheme to stop a quarterback uh, because it's it's so rare that it's going to happen. Back then, you didn't prepare, period. <laughs> now you yeah. got to worry about the read option and things like that. So it was like one of those things where you knew that you had to be sound and pay attention to it, and, and they were they're constantly talking to the rush and linebackers about keeping their eye on the quarterback. So it's a little different. It was a little different preparing for him because of the, you, the fact that he could run. You played for the 49ers. You're the host of the Believe in 49ers podcast as well here on the Believe Podcast Network. And one of the keys for the 49ers this week against the Patriots is going to be limiting Cam Newton's ability to run. So kind of an extension of what you just said, what challenges does Cam present to a 49ers defense? Uh, well, number one, it's just a big dude. 
Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Cam's is a big man, and people don't realize how big he is until you're actually standing in the room with him or standing on the field with him. He's a big man. It's like a defensive end playing um, playing the quarterback position. So that's number one. And then he's athletic, um, and um, he's a willing runner. So you know that this is one of those times that you have to be prepared for him to run the ball. But the problem, as I said, the issue that has always been there is that you don't want to design a defense to stop Cam. You don't want to spy a guy. You don't want to take a, a safety or a linebacker and have him sit there and keep his eyes on Cam. Yes, you can do that, but you figure you're playing 75 snaps on on defense. That may happen, you know, five, six times. That means you're playing with 10 men on defense the entire game. That's the that's the problem that he causes. But when you don't account for him, you know he's going to make plays, and and he has always been able to do that uh, with his legs. He can still make them with his arm from from the pocket. Um, I personally think it was a real good pickup by New England yeah. to get him. Yeah, you know the Patriots played awful against Denver this past Sunday. Cam really didn't throw it well. There's questions nope. about if the receivers are good enough to get open. So my 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 easy three thousand foot view is. San Francisco just needs to stack the box, take away the run, and make light, you know, and, and play one on one on the outside. You're a defensive back. Would would that be what you want? Do you want just to play one on one press on the outside and try to stop everything inside? Uh, well, you got to look at the fact that the that the Forty um, ers right now, with the injuries that they have, uh, they're having to play with their fifth, sixth, seventh corners. I mean, they just yeah. got Emmanuel Mosley back, and unfortunately for them. Uh, Jason Verrett is playing, you know, back to like his all pro self again. He's healthy finally after a thousand years. Uh, <laughs> but they have they have two front end corners playing. I mean, they you really look at the guys that are playing for them. Uh, Verrett's a surprise with the level he's playing at. And um, Emmanuel Mosley is just not coming back off the injury. So to go man to man across the board, that's really not the strength of this 49er secondary right now uh, with the injuries. But. Uh, in theory, that's what you would think. That's what you want to do. You want to force Cam uh, to make some plays, and you're going to force the receiving crew to show that they can get open because they haven't been able to do it. And that's sort of what the league does, man. If, if you show me you can't do something, I'm going to make you prove to me that you can do something else. You know, the, as we tape this, no word is officially out yet, but I'm monitoring the Richard Sherman situation. There's talks that he might be back this week. Do you think he will be back? And what would that do to the 49ers' ability on the outside? Uh, well, that'll change things tremendously. If you, if you can get Sherm back, uh, Barrett playing at the level he's playing back, playing at, and um, Emmanuel Mosley, uh, now you got three top end corners, and that changes everything I just said. Now you can you can man up those receivers and and put yourself in a winning position. That'll change things drastically. Now I don't know where Sherm's going to be because uh, you know he's had some setbacks and it's kind of it's, he's been kind of iffy. My thought is that he won't be playing. You know, I was talking about this with Flutie just a little while ago, so I want your take as a defensive player. I watch that Rams game and that 49ers game on Sunday, and I see a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of jet sweep stuff, a lot of intricate parts of the offense. I think the Patriots need to do more of that as a defensive player. When you see all that motion happening, what does it really do to you? Oh, well, it's just window dressing. It depends on the defensive players. Once you start to understand um, what they can do, uh, and what a team will do with certain personnel, it really is it's smoke and mirrors. 
So if if when you have a group of guys that uh, are young, um, let's, as a defensive unit, that's what I mean, a group of guys that aren't accustomed to playing with one another, where the communication has been an issue, that's when it becomes a problem. When I mean, you have a group of guys that are accustomed to playing with one another, they understand the defense, they know the communication, then all you're doing is waiting for the guys to get to where they're supposed to be and snap the ball because you've done your homework. And in certain certain personnel groupings, you're only going to run so many plays. In certain um, in certain formations, you only run so many plays. And after a while, you realize that. So you should have some of that put down at the beginning um, of the, when you go into the game. Your week of planning, you should be prepared for certain things. There'll always be some wrinkles, but um, you should you you can adjust to those things throughout the game. But really, it's just about it's about discipline, man. So if you yeah. have a dis- if you got a disciplined defense, it, it means nothing. That if that that may be the answer I need to give you. If if your players are disciplined, it it doesn't matter. I have my rules, and that's what that that's what the formation, the jet sweeps, the misdirection. That's all you're doing. You're testing a guy's rules. If because if you if you follow the rules of defense, the integrity of the defense, you'll always end up with a body on a body. Well, Bill Belichick, obviously known as a defensive guru, he beat McVay and that kind of offense in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. But this is a different Patriots defense. They're really experienced on the back end, a lot less experienced on the front end. Do you mm-hmm. think that some of those younger and experienced guys, they still could fall victim to that, even though Belichick is their head coach? Uh, some guys, that could happen. Uh, but this is the thing to understand. The way you just described that defense, it's experienced on the back end. If you're experienced on the back end, that covers up for a whole lot of things going wrong um, underneath. Because at the end of the day, the guys that it's, it's a quick death on the back end. Um, it's death by it's, it's death by paper cut if it's your defensive yeah. front or your linebackers. Uh, it's, it's a sniper. It's sniper fire if you're if it's the back end. You know, bodies start falling. You know, left and right. <laughs> so so looking so looking at it from that standpoint. The Patriots, which, as I thought, and I said just going into the year when they were talking about the quarterback situation and all those guys, you know, standing, you know, opting out for COVID, I was like, Belichick is smart enough to utilize the players that he has and put them in position, and he knows who to put the pressure on. His back end of the defense is where he wants to put the, the, the communication on. He wants to put the pressure on. So I, I think that uh, they will be prepared. The last thing I'd ever look at, and I think anyone would ever look at is going into a game expecting the defense of Belichick to not be where they're supposed to be. What's the feeling around Jimmy Garoppolo right now in San Francisco? Last year he gets into the Super Bowl and everybody loves him. This year I see people on social media saying he should put his house up for sale. How do they view him in San Francisco? Um, Well, they were the same way last year, (laughs) even taking him (laughs) to the Super Bowl. If if he has a bad game, if he has a bad series, everyone is um, on him. That's guess what that is. That's the that's the price of doing business when you're the quarterback yeah. for the San Francisco 49ers. The expectations are high. Yeah, I mean you're, you're doing this for the Patriots. The standard has been set. So every yeah. quarter every quarterback that plays for the Patriots until the end of time is going to have to live up to that standard of excellence that Brady set. You you go from Bill. I mean you go from Joe Montana to Steve Young. Uh, you win five championships, just like you guys have done up there with the six championships. You, the expectations is for that quarterback to perform at that level. So whenever he screws up, they are going to kill him. He knows it. It's just a part of it. 
but he's the perfect guy. He's the perfect guy to handle it because, look, he lived in that. He understands that pressure. He knows how to prepare and and deal with those expect, expectations. So I'm actually a Jimmy guy. I can tell you there are a lot of things he needs to improve on, um, but he's capable of doing that. But what, but what they want him to do within the offense, he's very, very good at it, getting the ball out on time, getting it in rhythm. Um, he's accurate when he has his body set and his feet set. Um, the things that he doesn't do well are, are correctable. So he's he's working and doing it. And the other thing, man, he wins. Yeah. So the Niners, this is what's going to happen. You know, like they lost to Miami. You know, all the talk was get rid of him. That's it. He's done. He's not good enough. You take a team to the Super Bowl. And you lose the Super Bowl. He's not good enough. That's just the way it is around here, man. And I hope it stays that way. You know, you went through, I guess it's different, but it is somewhat similar to what the Patriot veterans are going through now, right? They've had so much success with Brady, and now the expectations are lowered and the team isn't quite as good. Now, you, great your entire tenure in San Francisco. You go to Carolina, you're good immediately, but then the end of your career, the teams aren't as good, the expectations are lowered. What's it like when you go from such a high standard and achieving that high standard to then things are a little bit different? What is that like for a veteran player? Uh, well, it's the it's frustrating because um, as, so now the way you just term that is that you you have these high levels um, and and you have these lofty goals and you achieve those things and then the expectation level drops because you don't have the players and things aren't going well. Um, the the expectation level never drops. Hmm. The expectation is to win a championship. The expectation that's what you're there for. That's what you're built on. That's that's the only goal you have. Um, there's only one way to have a successful season, and that's to win the championship. One team wins, everyone else is everyone else loses. And once that's a part of your organization, that's the way you play. Now, the as a veteran player, you understand that there are there's work involved in getting there. You don't just show up. You don't just throw your helmet out on the field and, and expect to be there. You have to put that work in. So it's about teaching that next guy how to take your job, how to perform at that level, how to understand the standard. And that's what you're really trying to do. So the frustrating part is when the most frustrating part for me was looking around and understanding that the players that you have in the locker room don't get it. It's not yeah. about talent. Yeah. It's not about talent. Everybody in the NFL is talented. Every player is talented. But there's a certain mindset that goes into being a high-end player. There's an even another level that understands the dedication that it takes, the obligation that it takes to be a championship-level player. And when you don't have guys, even talented, extremely talented players that just don't get it, that's the frustrating part for a veteran player that knows that standard. Because all you can do is try to pass it on to the guys that get it. Um, but the guys that don't get it will never get it. And mm. if you have a locker room filled with those guys, you have to do something about that. And that starts at the very top. Because all you can do as a player is do your job and work with the guys that are in the room with you. You have no, no bearing on who they put in that room with you. I'll get you out of here on two quicker questions. Um, I love asking Flutie for back in my day stories. So you were a great, a great DB, great back end player. Who was a receiver that you found 
difficult to prepare for. I'm not saying he was scared of them. Or just who was a difficult receiver to prepare for? Oh, you didn't have to say the scared thing. That's not even a part of it. People, <laughs> pe- people, people that go there obviously don't know anything about the game. No one's scared yeah. out there at any position. Um, you know what? The, the guy that I always tell everyone, and it's probably and part of it is because it was the, the time where I was in my career. For me, yeah. um, it was Sterling Sharp. Mm. Ster- Sterling, Sterling Sharp in, is he? He's not. Uh, we all know if you're going to talk about wide receivers. Best receiver, you know, route runner, overall everything. Of course, Jerry Rice. But yep. best deep ball, Randy Moss. Best hands. Um, best hands, that's Chris Carter. Uh, best at getting off the jam, that's Michael Irvin. So I can go to, you know, best run after the catch, that's that's T.O. Now, if you want to go to who's number two on all of those on all of those attributes I just described, I'd say Sterling Sharp. He was that good. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't the best, but he was outstanding at everything. And then on top of that, he was like he, he hell. He's Derrick Henry size. He was a big yeah. man. When he caught the ball, it was like trying to tackle a fullback. <laughs> so so he he was fast. He was quick. He was a good route runner. He had good hands. He understood how to read defenses. Um, he would compete for the ball. So also that was the guy at that time. And and I was so when I was competing against him before he got injured. I you know I was a young player. I was in my second or third year. So he was a tough. He was a tough out. You know, I wish I wish the Seahawks had been in the NFC West at the time you were playing because I grew up in Seattle. It was my first favorite player was Joey Galloway. I would have loved to see what you said about Joey Galloway if you got a chance to go against him twice oh, a year well, for I did. a couple of years. I, I, you know what? We would always play them in preseason, and I got to go yeah. against Joey. And, and the one thing I, before Joey, this is what I always tell everyone: before Joey hurt his knee, he was fast, man. Yeah. Oh, he was. He was. <laughs> he was fine. I remember one preseason game. So this is a back in the day story for him. we played him in preseason. I think it was his rookie year, and we came out and we would only play. I mean, preseason we played three or four snaps. But I remember, you know, coach told us we had one series, and I went out there, and um, Joey came out and he lined up on me first play of game game, and I just went and quick jammed him. I just jammed him into the ground. I was like, let me see how fast this guy is. Because it doesn't matter how fast you are. You can't run with a hand in your sternum. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen a guy win the 100-yard dash with a, with a hand in his chest. Um, so it's like I'm going to go up and I'm just going to jam. He comes out. Uh, we I get into later in the drive because they, they had a pretty good drive going. Later in the drive, he comes out on me. I'm in man coverage again. I smash him again. I smash <laughs> him. Almost take him to his knees. I smash him. We come out the very next play. Very next play. Man coverage again, I'm going to go in and do the same thing. And you know what? The rookie learned. The rookie said, let me do something else. <laughs> so on the snap of the ball, he just jumped. He, he literally jumped backwards. And, mm-hmm. he, and when he hit the ground, he jumped backwards so I couldn't touch him. And the moment he hit the ground, it was like, it was like um, you know, one of those old school cartoons where you see the feet running in place <laughs> and the dust coming up. And he just took off running down the field. And you always hear the defensive coaches say, you know, you know, get to the man before you look to the ball. And the entire time I was just running back. I didn't even look at Joey again. Once he took <laughs> off and ran past me, I just started looking back because I know, OK, this this is the ball. Obviously, if you're any type of quarterback, you're going to see him running butt naked down the field. And in the defensive meeting. It's one of the funniest things ever. My defensive coordinator was like, "Ed, come on, man, you know better than that. You got to get to the man. You cannot be looking back for the ball." Yeah, man. And I told him, and this is what I told. I said, um, "John, his name was John Marshall." I said, "John, 
let me explain something to you. I said, I'm looking back for the ball because I may, I believe I may have possibly had a chance to catch up to the ball because I knew damn well I wasn't about to catch Joey. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was fast. Uh, hey, one guy that, that I love on the 49ers, I don't watch the 49ers a ton unless they're playing the Patriots. Debo Samuel is the guy that I want Nikhil Harry to be. Nikhil Harry, the Patriots took him in the first round last year. I've given up on him catching 100 balls for 1,200 yards. I'd like him to just be this Swiss Army knife player, and I think Debo Samuel is the prototype. Why is he so good? Uh, because just that, as you said, they, they're not trying to make him something that he's not. That's that's the big thing about the NFL. It's it's having a player and finding the slot that he fits in. That's why a lot of times you see these tweener players not make it. Um, so yeah. you have to have you got to know what to do. And Debo is a cross between a wide receiver and and that running back. He has a running back body. So they try to put him in position to where. It is the jet sweeps. It's yeah. it's the handoff. It's the it's the screens. It's the catch and run, quick slants. They're not expecting him, as you said, to be that down the field, 12, 13, 1,400 yard, um, 80, 90 catch guy. That's not the game. It's their game, his game is get the ball into his hands and then let him just do what he does. So that's what Shanahan has done a good job with um, is getting this player to do some of the things and do and because Shanahan wants to run the ball, number one. Yeah. So that's an extension of his run game. And that's and that's the way they utilize him and that's why he's been successful. Well, I love watching Debo play. We'll see the game this Sunday. Eric Davis, all pro, Pro Bowl, Super Bowl champion with the Niners, host of the Believe in 49ers podcast too. E D, thanks so much and uh, enjoy the game. We'll talk to you again sometime. All right, man. Take it easy. Good talking to you. <laughs> All right, thanks to Eric Davis for joining us. Uh, and Doug, I had asked him because we're taping this after I spoke to Eric. He prepared for – he played a decade in the league. One game was played against you, 2001. He was playing for the Broncos, and you were playing for the Chargers. So he he had some very – trust me, he had some very good things to say about preparing for you. Well, was it the game in Denver or was it the game in San Diego? Was I believe that you guys won. Okay, it was the game in San Diego. <laughs> I played well that day. I had – the, the one of the worst I had a very good day that day but one of my worst days ever I had come off I took over for Drew Drew was struggling early in his career Drew Brees and my first start was against Minnesota and I threw I don't know how many touch we scored five touchdowns on the first five possessions it was one of those oh days everything was great right then we turned around to go to Denver the next week and it was just as bad in Denver as it was good the week before oh. it was ugly and uh, I was hoping it wasn't that game. <laughs> By the way, the story I didn't get to ask you about was last week when before the Broncos, I had on Nick Ferguson, former defensive back um, for the Broncos, but he was with you in Buffalo. He was on the practice squad when you were the quarterback. He said that when he was in Denver and you were in San Diego, he sacked you and oh asked for an autographed jersey after while well, you two were on the ground because he said, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to talk to him again. <laughs> I don't remember that specifically, but I remember Nick and I remember the Buffalo days. And uh, there was, boy, Denver in Denver, they lined up half the game. They lined up with 11 up, everybody in the gaps and sometimes pulling out, sometimes rushing two guys, sometimes all out blitz. It was um, my head was swimming a little that day. Uh, Aaron, we got two more um, segments in the podcast here. I'll get actually just one more and then something kind of random I want to share with Doug. Uh, let's get crazy Patriots Twitter takes. 
The internet is a weird place. Where'd you hear that? The internet. And you believed it? Yeah. I can't put anything on the internet that isn't true. Where'd you hear that? The internet. Now it's crazy Patriots Twitter takes. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. All right. Boston radio host, notorious pot stirrer Mike Felger had this to say about Bill Belichick the other day. Aaron, let's hear Mike Felger number two. This is Rich. Too busy blaming Goodell like a bunch of eight-year-olds. Too busy blaming a locker room the size of a locker room. Too busy blaming this, that, and the other versus what? Getting ready for a game or doing the best they can to get ready for a game and blocking out the distractions and overcoming adversity like Tennessee's done just fine. And instead, you're the team that succumbed to it that wasn't ready. Mm. That's a sign of a coach that's losing his fastball. So there you go. Bill Belichick's losing his fastball, and the Patriots were unprepared to play. I think that's a bit harsh. Yeah, he's losing his fastball at the speed of Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, that's my son-in-law's line. That's um, a good one. I like that. <laughs> but, I no, he's not losing his fastball. He's, he's got a different team to work with. He's got different guys in the locker room. He's got a different quarterback. He's got – you know, you're, you're shifting or you're going from a mode of one of the most efficient guys ever to play the game at the quarterback position and a short passing game and then taking your shots to zone read, run the quarterback a bunch, your quarterback, your leading rusher. And what are we doing? You know, it's, it's different. Defensively, they're still playing good, solid football. Did you think that they were unprepared to play Denver? I mean, how, how much does the lack of practice matter? Because Tennessee's playing well without their lack of practice. How much did it matter? Practice gives the, the player confidence in what we are doing that week. Mm. That's the, 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 the fine line. Um, how much new stuff, like, you know, Josh and Bill like to put in a lot of new stuff every week. They probably didn't that week. They might have put in a couple of wrinkles on a Zoom call with guys and say, hey, can we run this? Yeah, we got one chance to run it the day before and do it in a walkthrough and get there and hope you execute. So you you probably end up not game planning as much and just run your core stuff and go execute. Um, I don't practice. You know, As I got older, the practice was not as important. Rest was more important than the practice. I still got the mental reps. I still need to watch a lot of film. And I needed to stand behind the other quarterback when he was running his plays and see things. But I didn't want to throw the ball 500 times a day for six days and then go try to. I liked resting my body. You know, I was, I, like I said, I was 106 years old when I retired. <laughs> but I needed to, to rest up a little bit. So the, the days are right. The younger players need to rest. The young guys need to see things over and over and over. So some of your younger players might make mistakes. Do players hear sports talk radio? Did, did you read newspaper columns? I I tried to stay in my happy little bubble. I never read the newspaper. I never listened to talk radio for sure. But the problem was your friends do. Yeah. And they have, oh, my God, did you hear what they said on the radio today on EEI? They said this. Uh, I'm like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want the negative vibes. I want, look, I got my third down package in today. I'm memorizing <laughs> that. I'm doing this. Tomorrow is short yardage and goal line and red zone and We'll play the game. You know, that's the way I want it to be. And uh, in this day and age that all the kids, all the kids, all the players, <laughs> I'm, I'm 105 years old now, 107 <laughs> now. Um, so, you know, they've got their phones and it's constant and they're on Instagram and they're on Twitter and they're seeing and hearing everything. And then, then they're commenting back and they're getting into it with somebody. It, it's got to affect you a little bit. I, 
I hated that. I didn't want anything to do with it. Talk radio started that. Talk radio gave everyone a voice. They'd call in and Joe Beer Drinker on the couch had his voice. And now everybody has their voice through Twitter and Instagram and everything else and be able to say whatever they want. And it gets out there and it'll affect you. And I thank Joe Beer Drinker for calling in because it's opened up the door for a guy like me to have a talk radio Absolutely. show. So. So that's been so that's been good. Hey, Doug, you and I got a compliment on social media. A guy named Adam who listens to my, you know, has listened to me on radio up here in Vermont. He said, you and I have, quote, amazing chemistry together. So we got our I don't know if it's our first compliment, but it's the first one that's gotten back to me. So there you go. That yes, we do. Great chemistry. I, I, I dropped out of biology and got into chemistry. <laughs> so Patriots and 49ers getting ready for it. Again, I reserve my my prediction until uh, until um, later in the week for uh, on social media. I think the Niners win as it sits right now. But again, I, I reserve the right to change that. Doug, as we tape this, we got game one of the World Series going on. I don't know what's happening right now. Clayton Kershaw, I want to see him get a win in the World Series so people will get off his back. Who was the guy around the league that couldn't win the big one? Like, who was that guy when you were playing? In the NFL? Yeah. I mean, I think Marino, Jim uh, Kelly. Yeah, I mean, these are the guys I, I think feel of. I so bad for both Jim Kelly and Dan Marino. Yeah. Jim getting to the Super Bowl four times and not, not winning it, even though they should have won one of them. Um, and then Danny – Dan got there once. He got um, there, yeah. You know, it just – Football is the one sport where you need everything in place to have a chance. And then you need a little luck along the way to have it happen. It just, the, the, you know, you got to stay healthy through a year. Um, my first, even my first championship in Canada, we were losing what was the AFC NFC championship game, the game to go to the Grey Cup. Yep. And we had to put an 88 yard drive into the win in the last minute to go do it. And on, on the third play of that series, I hit the linebacker right in the chest with the ball and he dropped it. Oh. And then we went, we go late to the field. We score the touchdown in the last second, win the game. We go on, win a great, blah, blah, blah. And no one remembers that except me. <laughs> so you need, your, you need your share of luck. Well, I hope Kershaw gets the, uh, the monkey off his back, the metaphorical monkey off his back. Doug Flutie, the hall of famer. One thing you will know is Mookie will hit three home runs now and two doubles and taking away another home run. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. He's been He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. I wish the Red Sox still had him. So, yeah, we uh, Doug Flutie, the CFL Hall of Famer, the two-time Patriot quarterback, the guy who, um, by the way, next week's going to be fun because we get to go with your head versus your heart when the Patriots play the Bills. So that'll be fun. So um, we'll get to do that dance next week. But Aaron's our producer. Thanks to him for pressing the buttons. I'm Brady Farkas. Enjoy the game, everybody, and go Pats. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.